Go to 1 Timothy, please. 1 Timothy and the uh, 6th chapter. 1 Timothy 6, 12. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto you are also called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Thank you, Lord. I believe I'm impressed for us to begin today a series we'll call Fighting the Good Faith Fight. Anybody interested in this? Fighting the Good Faith Fight. And believing the Lord to get free from ignorance and confusion about walking and living by faith and any wrong ideas, misconceptions. There's a a lot of ignorance about living by faith. And then there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of stuff people call faith that's not faith. And then when it doesn't get results, people are confused and discouraged. And and you even got a lot of people that's mad at God. And they think somehow God let them down. Well, I stood in faith and God, you know, he he wasn't there for me. Listen to me, friend. God has never let anybody down. He has never failed anybody. He has never failed to keep his word. Never just hasn't happened. If you think it happened, there's something wrong with your thinking. Right? You just are not seeing things right. And when you see it right, it'll get plain to you. When you understand what really happened, I think uh, for the first several years in heaven, a lot of people, this is going to be their response. They're going to go, oh, (laughs) oh, okay. Then a few minutes later, they'll go, oh, okay, sure. Well, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Because down here, there was so much ignorance and so much darkness. But, you know, that's no justification for doubting the character of God and questioning his goodness and questioning his faithfulness. You know, uh, uh, years ago I read the book of Job uh, looking for some understanding in it and answers in it. And, uh, you know, Job had all kind of bad things happen in his life. And then his three friends came and who were philosophers and intellects of the day. And they debated and deliberated for chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter about why this happened. And basically why bad things happen to good people. And they're saying, well, it's because you ain't so good. Ain't as good as you thought you were. And he said, no, that ain't true. That is not true. And and they they debated over this. You know, have you read the book? And finally, God himself came on the scene and got involved in the conversation and spoke out of a whirlwind. 
And for a, a couple of chapters, it gives the narration of what God said to Job and to them. And did you know, in none of it did he deal with Job explaining to him why. And so I had written in the notes of margin of my Bible on some of that, you know, the big question is why. Because that's what Job said. That's what they said. Why, why, why? Why, why, why? Job said, why is a man born to see days like this? Why didn't I just die in my mother's womb? Why didn't I just die at birth? I mean, he went on and on. And they tried to explain why. And it didn't satisfy him. And it didn't satisfy them. And he tried to explain why. And they finally came to the conclusion they couldn't get the answer. And when God spoke, he didn't say, now here's why. He never said it. You know what he said? Where were you? (laughs) When I did this. And when I made this. And when I did this. And question after question, Job would have had to say, I don't know. I don't know. I always wondered about that. That is amazing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a clue. I don't know. Why? What's he doing? He's saying, if you don't understand these things, how are you going to question me about this? And I saw it. I saw it. I drew a line through the big question is why. And I wrote beside it, the issue is what you do when you don't know why. If you have to know why before you'll trust him and believe him, you never did. Are y'all listening to me? That's what faith is all about. If you say, well, if I, because I, I can't understand this or I don't know why this, but then you're mad at him, you're put out with him, that means you didn't trust him to start with. Let me tell you what will get you through the roughest places in life. Through the toughest things you could ever possibly deal with. There's always going to be some things you don't know. In this life, you're never going to have all the answers to everything. Not in this life. You're not. God's not going to show you everything. He's not going to tell you everything. But you don't have to know everything. To fight the good fight of faith. It's a faith fight. Not a knowledge fight. Not a knowing all the answer fight. You don't have to. Oh come on. You don't have to know all the answers. To win this fight. Oh yeah. You don't have to know all the answers. To win this fight. Because it's not an answer fight. It's not a knowledge fight. Come on, tell me what it is. What what it is. It's a faith fight. Faith is trust. You can trust when you don't have a clue. What will get you and me through the toughest places in life? You look up through your tears. Through the confusion around you, through the mass of darkness and unanswered questions, and you say, Lord, I don't know why, and I don't understand this, but I know this. You're a good God. You're real. And I trust you. 
and I will hold on to you with my last breath. I will believe you forever and I will never stop. (laughs) And that will get you through anything. He will uphold you with the right hand of his righteousness. He will set your feet on the solid rock and he will bring you through. What if I die doing that? Is there a better way to die? You know you're going to die. Lord Terry's is coming that much longer. All of us going to die and get out of here that way. What better way to go? Say it with your last breath. I believe God. And you see the Father. Next thing you know, you see Jesus. And you see the Father. And you say, Lord, I was doing everything I knew how to believe you. He said, I know it, baby. Come here. Come on. Come on. I know it. I know it. Come here. Come up here and sit down with me. And he explains it to you. And you go, oh. (laughs) Oh. Okay. And you'll say, but I like that faith. I liked the faith. No matter what you didn't know, your faith pleased me. Hallelujah. Why? What does that mean? You trusted me. And you wouldn't let anything shake you off of trusting me. You wouldn't let anything you knew or didn't know move you away from me. Friend, it's about personal relationship and personal trust. Come on, somebody tell the Lord. Say, Lord, I trust you. No matter what. I trust you. I trust you. No matter what. Now, in order to hold on to that in this world, you'll have to fight. I said you'll have to fight because there's a lot of stuff. That will try to shake your faith. And move you away. What you're seeing, hearing, feeling. Not seeing, hearing, feeling. You'll have to fight. To hold on. Have I got any faith fighters? Come come on. I think I do. I think I do. (laughs) You can't wear the faith out of us. You can't knock the faith out of us. You can't scare the faith out of us. You can't talk the faith out of us. You can't reason the faith out of us. You try to get the faith out of us, you're going to run into a fight. Amen. (laughs) Don't try to scare me. Don't try to make me give up and be defeated. Don't try to get me to doubt my God or doubt the word. You're going to run across the fighting side of me. Because I go into fight mode. Not against flesh and blood. I know human beings, flesh and blood is not my problem. But anything that tries to get me to quit believing, I go into fight mode. I bristle. I take a stand. I turn into a wall. Are y'all with me? Don't you think I ought to? You want your preacher shaking? Your pastor shaking? Every little thing? See a little something on the news and go, well. 
Maybe I don't believe that anymore then. Well, wonder if God really is real. You don't want somebody like that leading you and preaching to you. But you will have to, I will have to, you will have to have some strength in you, some spiritual backbone and conviction. Is that right? So that when it comes up, you're going, no, no. No, there are not many ways to God. There is one. (laughs) There's one and only one. (laughs) No, all that stuff is not the will of God. What he said in his word is the will of God. Right? And you got to be willing to oppose and resist anything that tries to take that away from you. Now, uh, Go to 2 Timothy, 4th chapter, please. 2 Timothy 4. Boy, the Lord's already helping us big time. 2 Timothy 4. Paul says, by the Spirit of God, at the end of his life and ministry, his course, he said in verse, uh, well, you know, I need to back up to verse 1. 2 Timothy 4, 1. He's, the Spirit of God through Paul is writing to a young minister named Timothy. So here's experience and by the Spirit of God ministering to youth and inexperience. He said, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. To do what? Preach the word. Preach the word. Now why would you need to say that? Because there's a lot of stuff you can preach other than the Word. You can preach politics. You can preach social reform. You can preach diet. You can preach opinion. You can preach experience. Hmm? Feelings. Well, I just feel. No, I I strongly feel. (laughs) I don't make it true. Because you feel so strong about it. What should you and I preach? Come on, what should should we preach? Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they'll not endure sound doctrine. The time will come when people will not want to hear good word preaching. That's right. We're reading the Bible. Why not? After their own desires, lust, they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. If these folks don't want to hear the word preached, what do they want to hear? They want to hear what they want to hear. They want to hear what appeals to them and what confirms what they want to think and do. I wrote this down in my margin years ago. Preacher, preacher, scratch my ear. Tell me what I want to hear. (laughs) What's What's an itching ear? Well, it's tell me what I want to hear. Well, how many know we need to submit to the Lordship of Jesus and sometimes what he wants to tell us is not necessarily what we wanted to hear right then, but it is what we needed to hear. And it's the truth. No matter what somebody uh, said about it, 
The time will come they'll not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they'll turn away uh, their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Not everybody wants to hear the truth. Now it took me a while to realize that. (laughs) In the early days of my ministry, I thought, well, the biggest problem in the earth is ignorance. People just haven't heard the truth. And when they hear the truth, that'll be it. They'll go, glory to God, here's the truth. (laughs) Ignorance is a big problem, but it's not the only problem. There's a whole lot of folks have heard the truth, and they don't want the truth. They don't care if it's the truth. It's not what they want to hear. It's not what they want to believe. Some folks would rather hear fables than the truth. Are we reading scripture? Their ears will turn away from the truth and be turned unto fables. Friend, practice this on a regular basis. When you hear somebody talking about something they believe, something about God, something about the word, supposedly, where are the verses? Where are the scriptures? When people say, you hear this all the time. Well, you know, Jesus always taught. Where? Jesus taught this. Jesus taught that. I actually had him say to me, there were some folks on uh, TV, internationally viewed interview type thing, and they were saying some things. Well, Jesus always taught and, and preached and stood for this. And while they were saying it, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't preach that. I didn't teach that. It surprised me because it was something pretty much everybody would agree about. And I thought, really? (laughs) I had to put my nose back in the book. And I realized he didn't preach that. Here's the phrase. They said, Jesus preached love and acceptance. He didn't. He preached the kingdom and repentance. There's a vast difference between acceptance and repentance. People want to twist what Jesus said and make him accepting of any sin, any lifestyle, anything. He's not against you, but he's not going to tell you sin's all right. Well, that went over big, didn't it? (laughs) But where are the scriptures? When people say something, this is true, God says this, where, where, where? I've seen people change their whole life over a book that somebody wrote that had these ideas. And some of it was purposefully ministered as fiction, but something that might be or could be maybe kind of Bible-related connected. (laughs) That ain't the word, right? It could have been like this. It could happen like this. You can't live. Don't try to live on could. It could. It might. Preach the word. word. Now we still talking about the good fight of faith. You know we are. Because how are you going to get faith? To fight the good fight of faith. Faith comes by hearing the anointed word. Now keep reading. Watch in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of your ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. 
Soon and very soon, you and I are going to be able to say the same thing. It's like you're sitting at the airport. You're looking up on the screen. We have arrivals. And we have departures. And today, Keith Moore departs at 4.05 or whatever it is. You might say, you talking about dying? Yeah. No, I'm not saying I'm dying today at 4.05. For example. But you and I should not be afraid to leave. Death for the believer is not termination. It's transition. It's departure. To depart and be with Christ. To be absent from the body. To be present with the Lord. And Paul said it's far better than being here. Didn't say you couldn't have some good times here. But this just doesn't compare with there. So here Paul. He has traveled the known world. He started churches on these multiple continents. He's been shipwrecked and beat and stoned and and cussed, and he's had revival and riot sometimes in the same day. And now he's saying, I'm finished. How many are aware there's going to come a time real soon when you're finished? Are you? Soon and very soon. You. I'm talking about you. You do know you're not going to live down here on this earth forever. Come on, do you know that? Not even that much longer. If you live another 50, 70 years, it's going to go by so quick, so quick, so quick. And Paul was aware, I'm ready. Somebody say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Notice he didn't say, I'm scared. Y'all pray for me. I think I'm going to die. No. No, I'm ready. The time of my departure is at hand. Now, when the time of your departure is at hand, you know what you want to be able to say? Yeah, and the next verse. Huh? You, this is what you're going to be able to say. I'm ready to go. Time of my departure is at hand. And I'm happy. I'm happy because I have fought a good fight. Somebody say, I fought a good fight. I, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Now, now, here's a thought here. Yeah, you're going and it won't be long, but you don't want to go until you finish your course. You got a job to do. And you don't want to leave early. Yeah, but I've been attacked with this disease. Yeah, but I've had this. Yeah, but I've had that. Believe God. Fight the good fight of faith. Overcome it. And go your full course. And then go. But don't leave before you do all that you're supposed to do down here. Don't don't do that. For one thing, it leaves more work for us. And I don't think there's going to be any real problems in heaven. But who knows, you know, you check out here and you didn't do half of your work. And you go home way early. We may all show up over at your mansion later and go, hey. What, what was the idea? Of leaving all your work for us to do. Huh? (laughs) And if you say, well, I couldn't help it. This happened. No, no. You could have fought. Come on. You could have fought 
the good fight of faith and overcome and stayed and finished. Come on, if it was the will of God, why couldn't the Lord help you to accomplish it? It's true. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. You ought to say it out loud again. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me at that day. And there's more than one of these crowns. Not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Fight the good fight of faith. Now, go back with me to 1 Timothy, our our first text that we looked at, 1 Timothy 6. And I want to begin to get into how to fight the good fight of faith. Are you interested? I can tell the Lord's helping us with this. Can you? Man, two-thirds of what I just went over with you was not in my notes. It wasn't. I hadn't planned that at all. But the Lord's answering our prayer. Do you believe? He's answering our prayer. Does he want us to fight the good fight of faith? He wants us to finish our course and keep the faith. How do you fight the good fight of faith? Again, we said there's a lot of ignorance and a lot of confusion about what faith is, how to fight the good fight. But the answer to scripture questions are in the scriptures. And uh, so many times answers would be immediate and confusion would be avoided if we just read the next verse. (laughs) Have you ever seen that? If you just read the next verse or sometimes the previous verse, if you just read, because men have segmented this, but this was not written in chapter and verse. This was written in flowing thought, a letter. You got to watch about uh, dissecting it. Dividing and dissecting. You know, what if I wrote you a letter? Wrote you a letter, and I was just talking about some general subjects, and you got it, and you divided up the sentences and looked up the etymological roots of the words I used. Well, you could go off on all kind of tangents about things I had no intent to communicate because you divide this part from the rest of it. Always keep it within the context and the confusion will be averted. Well, he said, fight the good... <laughs> I hear gears whirring right now. I didn't say you couldn't look up a word, but you got to watch about that. About dissecting everything, you can become too heady too intellectual and you can make the word say things it's not saying you can go off on these tangents that are not really there (laughs) it's quiet now I didn't say you couldn't look up a word 
You know I look up words. Right? You hear me talk about it. But don't get so involved in the technicalities that you don't see the letter. And you don't see the main things he's talking to you about. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto you are also called. And you've done what? You've done what? Notice what he immediately starts talking about. In connection with fighting the good fight of faith. He starts talking about your confession. Profession is the same word translated confession. Confession. You've confessed a good confession before many witnesses. Notice that's not all. Look at the next verse. I give you charge in the sight of God who quickens all things and before Christ Jesus who before Pontius Pilate did what? What did he do? He witnessed a what? A good confession. Oh, here's something that was worth you washing your face, combing your hair, coming to church for this morning. You know how you fight the good fight of faith? With the good confession. That's right. Now, if you hear that and think, eh, so you can talk about confession, then you're not realizing the power of faith-filled words or the defeat when people relinquish their faith-filled words. You and I have been created in the likeness and image of God himself who is a speaking spirit. And because we have always been able to talk and because speaking has been turned into chatting and yakking and motor mouthing (laughs) and the value of the spoken word has been reduced to zilch in the eyes of many and masses of people on the planet, their words are powerless. Their words are empty and powerless. There's nothing in them. The Bible refers to that as idle words. Non-productive, empty. But words, my brother, sister, are containers. And it depends on what you put in a word as to what it is and what it can do. Just take the word hello, H-E-L-L-O, a common greeting, but I can put all kinds of things in it. Hello. 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 Huh? What did I do? Did I put something different in the word? I put something different in it. Well, you can say something. And you can put fear in it. You can put doubt in it. Unbelief. You can put confusion. Depression. Oh but you can speak. Life filled words. Power filled words. Healing filled. Victory filled. Faith filled words. And if you do. They pack a punch. Amen. How do you fight? 
The good fight of faith. A big part of it is the good confession. The good confession. There is no better example than the master. Jesus himself. You want to know how to fight the good fight of faith? You go look at the faith fighting champion of all time. The heavyweight. Contender of the universe. I'm talking about the Alpha and the Omega. How did he contend with the enemy? How did he deal with the enemy? And how did he overcome? He did it with faith. Faith, father-pleasing, world-overcoming. Man, I feel like I could preach this one. Come on, come on. Father pleasing. World overcoming. Victory filled faith. Didn't the Bible say this is the victory? Come on, what is it? What is it? This is the victory that overcomes the world. So there's some overcoming to be done. That's where the fight comes in. But how do you do it? Faith. Now let's read this again. Put it back up please in the Amplified. In verse uh, 12. Fight. What kind of fight? The good fight of faith. Now now here's here's another big aspect of faith. What's the next two words? Lay hold. This gives insight. We can't get into all of it today. But this gives insight into what the fight's about. Amen. Why do you need to lay hold of it? And other translations talk about grabbing it. Why? Because there's something out there trying to get it away from you. And the fight is not in trying to get God to do something. He's already done something. Right? Right. Hmm, the fight is not trying to defeat the devil. The devil's already defeated. What's the fight? The fight is not letting anything or anybody take away from you what you have laid hold of. Hallelujah. Made yours received from him that he's bought and paid for. Because there will be, just as surely as you hear the anointed word of God and faith comes, what happens when that incorruptible seed of the word of God is sown? The devourer comes. Is that right? He's got to get that word away from you or he will be unable to stop the following miracles that will occur. (laughs) He can't stop God. He can't stop the word from producing and multiplying, producing miracles. He can't stop the word. He can't stop the Holy Spirit. He can't stop God. He can't do anything with God. That's why when you resist him, the only option he has is to flee. But he is a subtle, deceptive, tricky cuss. 
And what he does is try to worm his way, wiggle his way, get a little bit of hold on what you're believing and tug on it and talk in this ear and lie in that ear. Come on, are you listening? Show you this, get you to focus on feeling that, get this from the same. Why? He wants you to turn loose and let it go. <laughs> he wants you to quit fighting him and just go, whatever, whatever. I'm a lover, not a fighter. I'm, I'm just, I'm a pacifist. Well, you're a statistic then. <laughs> you're a casualty. <laughs> Because the devil is not interested in any kind of peace. No, that's right. right? That's what we were talking about earlier. Oh, he'll tell you anything you want to hear. I'll leave you alone. You leave me alone. Deal? <laughs> he'll go, sure. And when you turn around, he's going to nail you. So you might as well just get loud and bold, right? You might as well. Get into this thing with both feet and go, I am a good faith fighter. I'm not a quitter. Fight the good fight of faith and do what? Lay hold on the eternal life to which you were summoned and for which you did what? You confessed the good confession of faith. Before many witnesses. Now of all the things he could have mentioned. In talking about fighting a good fight of faith. That's what he talks about. Didn't he? The good confession. And why say good confession? It matches good fight. (laughs) It's part of the good fight. The good confession. And then he gives you the ultimate example. The master himself. Verse 13. In the presence of God. Who preserves alive all living things. And of Christ Jesus. He's saying you fight the good fight of faith. God's seeing you. Hmm? God's seeing you. He's hearing you. He's watching you. The Father. The Almighty. Guess who else is watching you? Jesus. Jesus. And does Jesus know how to stand up. And hold on to what he believes. Huh? Does he know how to do it? Has he shown you how to do it? He has, and now he's watching you do it. Somebody say, Jesus is watching me. Come on, what does he want to see you do? He wants to see you do exactly what he did, which is fight the good fight of faith by laying hold and holding on to the good confession. Now go with me to a couple of scriptures here. You got time? In uh, Revelation. Thank you, Lord. Revelation, let's see, uh, 1, and then we're also going to go to John 18. And then I'll consider thinking about starting to close. (laughs) But do you understand we have barely begun today? Can you see this? But it's a good start. It's a very good start by the help of the Lord. Mm -mm. 
Fight the good fight. I'm a good faith fighter. Revelation 1. 116. Notice this. Talking about Jesus. After being glorified. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth. Went a what? Went a sharp. Two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shines in his strength. Out of his out of his what? His mouth went what? Sharp two-edged sword. Look at the second chapter. That was 116. Look at 216. Revelation. 216. He was warning these folks, repent or else I'll come to you quickly and we'll do what? We'll do what? Fight against them. How does the Lord fight? He doesn't ball up his fists. That's how flesh and blood fights. That's weak. Ineffective. All you can do with a balled up fist is maybe knock down a, a body. That hadn't won you any kind of spiritual battle. And we need to remember people, flesh and blood are not our problem. I know it looks that way sometimes. I know it feels that way sometimes. But they are not. They are not. The Bible says they are not. We don't, we don't war in the flesh. We don't struggle against flesh and blood. That's not our, that's not our problem. What, what is our uh, issue? What is it we're dealing with? The enemy, he, he describes different levels and manifestations of the enemy, but then also casting down imaginations. Is that right? Strongholds, taking into captivity every thought. To the obedience of Christ. How do you fight against wrong thoughts and wrong feelings and suggestions which can be backed by spiritual attack? How do you fight? You can't fight those by slapping at it. I slap you. No, this is not going to help a thing. You can't fight it by getting all upset and crying and, and screaming. How do you fight? How does Jesus fight? Does anybody see this? Come on. How does Jesus fight? Jesus. Have you read this book of Revelation? It describes him leading a vast army. Is that right? And him on this glorious horse and with this name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. And with him facing the enemy hordes. And just wiping them out. Just. How many know you got to be a fool to go up against the Lord? How much of a fool? That, that's part of the answer to the question. How dumb can you be? Right? That's probably it right there. Just wiping them out. How will he do it? He won't do it with guns. He won't do it with knives. He won't do it slapping and punching and kicking. Biting. How will he do it? Fight against them with what? With the sword of my mouth. Do we need mind renewal? 
We, we need, how are you going to fight the good fight of faith? Same way the master fights the good fight of faith. How did he do it when he walked the earth? How does he do it now? How's he going to do it at the culmination of all things? He does it by believing in his heart and saying with his mouth, Hallelujah! And not just empty nothing words, but words filled with faith, which are words filled with power. Hallelujah! It's how the Almighty created the heavens and the earth, right? We certainly shouldn't be surprised that what was created with the spoken word would be affected and changed by the spoken word. But is that how most Christians think? Most Christians, most church going people, when they're dealing with a problem in their life, do they think, I got to load my mouth. I got to load my mouth and fire some faith-filled words at this thing. I got to fight. Do most Christians think that way? No, they don't. Why? Because they've gotten away from the word and have had their ears scratched with stuff that's just not not going to help you make it in this life. Might sound nice and fluffy, but it's just not going to help you win the battle. Can you see, if you've got to fight the good fight, there must be some fighting required. Yeah. Are you willing to fight? Yes. you got to fight. How are you going to fight? This is not a slap fight. It's not a punch fight. Come on, what is it? What is it? What is it? It's not a knife fight. It's not a gun fight. It is a word fight. It's a word fight. Not an empty word fight, but a faith-filled word fight. Mm, hallelujah. Go to Romans. I, let me add your scripture. I don't want to short you. Romans 10. Romans 10. And verse 8. He was quoting Old Testament scripture. That said don't say who will go up to heaven. Bring the Lord down. Who will go down to the earth. And bring up from the depth above. Who will go across the sea. Some great. Huge effort. No. What saith it? The word is close to you. (laughs) That's also how close your victory is to you. That's also how. Somebody say it's close. It's close. Healing. Bills being paid. It's close. It's close. It's close. How close is it? It's as close as your mouth. How many knew the answer was right under their nose? Right under their nose. The mouth. It, it, was, it was right there all the time. In your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith. Which we preach. Did you know Paul was a faith preacher? Oh yeah. Verse 9. That if you will confess. What? With, why does he keep saying mouth? Have you noticed? How many believers have become silent believers? Oh, yeah. So much so that when you and I stand up and make confessions like we do, people think, now that's strange. (laughs) Don't they? They go, why are they always getting up to us? Say this. Say that. 
Say this. That just bothers me. Why? Because you want to be quiet. Guess who else wants you to be quiet? The enemy wants you to keep your mouth shut and not dare say something full of faith. Why? This is how you get born again. If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you will have a miracle of miracles. You will become a new creation. All things passed away, all things becoming new. Is that right? How'd you get it? How'd you get it? How'd you get it? You didn't jump off the roof. How'd you get it? How'd you get it? You believed it in your heart. And you took that faith that you had in your heart. And you put it in some words. And you said, and it was not empty and it was not vain. You said, I confess Jesus, Lord of my life. (laughs) And when you did, the same Holy Ghost who moved over the face of the deep moved inside you. Never say, I don't know if I can believe for a miracle. You already have. I said you already have. And you know how you got it. And the same way you got that miracle, you can get a healing miracle. You can get a financial miracle. These are actually lesser miracles if you want to compare them. Because that has to do with temporary things. What's happened in you is eternal. Verse 10. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. And that's not all. I said that's not all. Can you see this hadn't been preached enough? Believing has been talked about. Confession has not. Not enough. Faith is not just believing. It's believing and saying, confessing. The good confession is how you fight the good fight. With the heart man believes to righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Go to John 18, I think I'm close. John 18. In 1 Timothy 6.13, you're not turning there, you're going to John 18. But we just got through reading as part of our text that Jesus confessed a good confession in front of Pilate. Is that right? And that's given us as the example of fighting the good faith fight. And we're reminded that Jesus is aware of us. God the Father is and Jesus is. And that you and I need to be stand up faith people because the Lord's seeing us. And we need to do it what, like he did it. Yeah. Do what he did. The message Bible in 1 Timothy 6.13 says, He took his stand and didn't give an inch. <laughs> Tell me what Jesus did in front of Pilate. Somebody say he took his stand and didn't give an inch. It's describing how you fight the good fight of faith with the good confession. Now let's read it again. Let's remind us of John 18. When Jesus is standing in front of Pilate, Pilate 
spoke disrespectfully to him, dismissively to him. At one point, you know, he said, don't you know I can kill you or spare you? Don't you remember that? Pilate was not a nice man. Just the Bible history we have. We know on one occasion, Pilate sent soldiers to where some of the people were making sacrifices and he mingled their blood with the blood of the animals they were killing. He, just, he made a mass slaughter. He's a cruel guy. He has no problem killing people. He's done it a lot. And he's governor of Judea. He literally has the power of life and death over everybody out there in his hand. And he don't have to think twice about killing people. And so Jesus knows from the natural what he's dealing with here. And he knows from the spiritual already though that he is on the course to the cross. And he's already resigned himself to it. You know why he could let them crucify his flesh at the cross? Because he had already crucified his flesh in the garden. None of this is a surprise to him. But we're human beings. All of us got flesh. You know, he, Jesus himself prayed, if there's any other way. Didn't he? Let this cup pass from me. And there's a lot of people that make good big confessions in church with everybody else around. Right? But just get them in the boss's office by theirself. And something come up whether you're going to get a raise or not. Or whether you're going to keep your job or not. And you'll see people fold like wet noodles. Well, yeah, I go over to that church, but I don't necessarily believe everything that they, like they believe it. I was thinking about leaving. I'm telling you, I've, I have seen people fold like a wet paper bag over a few dollars. Just nothing stuff. That's not what Jesus did. I said, that's not what Jesus did. He's staring. He's looking at Pilate. He's looking death right in the face. And uh, he, he, in verse 36, well, verse 33, Pilate entered into the judgment hall again. He called Jesus. He said, are you the king of the Jews? Yeah. Keep going. Jesus answered him. You say this of yourself or did somebody tell you about this? Is he scared? Is he scared of Pilate? Is he scared of dying? Come on, are you listening? Is he scared of the cross? Of the crucifixion? You know why he's not scared at all? Because he is full of faith. He's full of faith and trusting in his Father. You saying this of yourself or somebody tell you about this? Pilate said, am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Here Jesus makes this confession that uh, is talked about there in, in 1 Timothy. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight? Jesus had revelation. He said, you know, later he said, don't you know, I could call on the Father. He'd send me legions of angels. 
Pilate had no idea how precarious his situation was. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> A handful of angels could have wiped out the Roman legions just like that. Is that right? Could have. Could have. He said, but now is my kingdom not from here. Keep going. Pilate said, are you a king then? Here's where faithless people start crying, wanting to live, begging for their life, compromising their beliefs and their stand. If you know you say the wrong thing right now, you're dead. A lot of people fold. Jesus didn't hesitate. I said he didn't hesitate. He said, you say, I'm a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. And he's doing it right now. Isn't he? Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. Oh, how many can see? Can you hear the confidence? Can you see the strength? Glory to God. Skip down to John 19. This wasn't over. After some things had happened, the scourging and everything else, he, Pilate began to get shaken himself. His wife sent him word. And said, I've had a bad dream about this guy. Don't have anything to do with him. Do not hurt him. Don't touch him. And uh, some of the others kept talking about him being the king and the son of God. And it scared Pilate. And he called Jesus back in and tried to work something out so they could avoid all this. <laughs> and uh, now look who's scared. And Pilate, and, and, and it, it upset him because Jesus wouldn't even talk to him then. He wouldn't even answer And then he said to John 19.10, he said, you don't speak to me? Do you not know I have power to crucify you and I have power to release you? This is where thousands of church going folks go, oh, please, great Pilate, please, please have mercy. Please, I know you do. I know you do. Spare my life. Spare my life. Will you denounce all that Christian stuff? I'm, I'm flexible. (laughs) let's find a workable situation here Mm -mm. Jesus said you could have no power at all against me now how many know with these egotistical guys like this that is not what you want to say right I mean if you got any chance of getting out of there with your skin on that's not what you say to guys like this What are we seeing? Come on, connect the dots. Come on, tell me what we're looking at. We're right here. What are we looking at? We are looking at the master fighting the good fight of faith with his unswerving, unbending, unwavering, faith-filled words. Isn't he? He's looking Pilate in the face. He's looking death in the face. He's looking the grave and hell and sin in the face. And he said, you have nothing. You have no power at all. (laughs) 
over me. Oh, come on, friends. Are we, are we awake? Are we awake? When the enemy comes and tries to tell you. When he comes and tries to tell you. You are a victim. In this situation. You are helpless. You can do nothing. You are a helpless pawn, a defeated victim. That's when something needs to rise up on the inside of you. Come on, are you listening? And you need to look it all in the face and you say, you have no power over me at all. I mean, how do you fight cancer? Huh? How do you fight depression? How do you fight addiction? How do you fight it? You can lay there and whimper and shake and cry and feel sorry for yourself and you'll be worse off tomorrow. Or, or you can remember who you are and whose you are. And something can rise up on the inside of you. And you can say greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And you can say cancer. You have no power over me. Depression. You have no power over me at all. Poverty. You can't hold me down. You can't hold me back. You can't hold me in here. I'm coming out. Addiction. Whether it's alcohol or heroin. Look it in the face and go. You do not have power over me. You do not control me. And if you'll do that in faith. I'm telling you. A power will come. A power will come. And it will change things in your life. And you lay hold. If the Lord tells you that he has bought and paid for your healing, you get a hold of it. You wrap your arms around it. Come on, are you listening? If the Lord tells you he was made poor so you could be made rich. Come on, are you listening? You wrap your hands. Come on. And your arms and your legs around it. And you lay hold of it. And you say, this is mine. This is mine. This is who I am. This is what I am. This is what I have in Christ. And no matter if Pilate or the devil himself tries to intimidate you, you are not moved. How many want your heavenly father? We just got through reading here that the father is watching and that Jesus is watching. How many of you want your heavenly father and Jesus to watch you in this life, to watch the stuff try to come against you and to watch, even though you might have shed a few tears or or started thinking the wrong way, but to watch something come up inside you and you bristle and you raise up and you begin to speak the word of God and you begin to speak what he said? they want the father to go that's my boy that's my boy that's my girl that's my girl right there that's my girl (laughs) Woo! (laughs) hallelujah and before all this is done I think we're going to find that the fight itself is actually more important than the results And that's to be continued for another time. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today 
free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.